Blog Talk Radio. Critics and audiences are cheering for Bumblebee. It's an incredible 93% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. The perfect blend of action, heart, and humor. Not just a great Transformers movie, a great movie, period. Bumblebee, now playing. Ready PG-13. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. This is Dr. Nefertiti Noel. And I'm Darren Noel. And we are here tonight for our weekly uh, Relationship Wednesdays radio show. So I'm excited to have everybody on air and online with us. And let me give you the call-in number just in case you have questions tonight, because the last couple weeks we've done a lot of stuff on um, tips for your relationships to help them be healthy. And this week we're talking about um, four things that if you have them in your relationship consistently, these are things that could predict, predict uh, the ending of a relationship. But our call-in number is 323-693-3835. Again, our guest call-in number, if you have questions or comments, is 323-693-3835. So just let me give folks a little bit, about, a little bit of background about myself. I'm a clinical therapist, and I run a private practice in Naperville, Illinois, and I work on the weekly basis with families, individuals, and couples. Um, one of the things I work a lot with during the week is relationships and also trauma and also help families and, and couples try to stay together. Yep. And uh, myself, Darren Noel, background in corporate America, I spent uh, over 20 years in resume consults and career counseling and also do some life coaching as well here in the Wellness Associates. Absolutely. What what we have found is that relationships are really key to building healthy lives, whether it's uh, intimate relationships, coupleships, whether it's friendships. um, We all are constantly involved in relationships and need the skills to build those relationships. And generally we're talking on the positive end of what do you do to keep relationships strong. This week we really want to give you some tips on Things that you, if you see these things in a large preponderance in your relationship, these things could be deadly. It's like pouring acid on a relationship. Yeah, definitely. This kind of came from an article we're reading in, in uh, Match.com. It was on Yahoo, okay? And it's based on some research by uh, Dr. John Gottman. He's the uh, founder of the Gottman Institute out in Seattle. And he calls them the full horsemen of the apocalypse. Basically, four different characteristics or traits that couples have that the majority of times if couples have these consistently in their relationship, they're going to have a failed relationship, okay? These, these four traits that they call the four horsemen of the apocalypse include criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling, okay? Criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Okay. okay. Let me, let's go over a little bit about the definitions of each thing. And let me say this. In all of our relationships, we've at some point each probably done one of these four things. Absolutely. So it's not whether or not it's ever happened in the course of your relationship. It's whether or not these are things that happen a lot of the times, more times than not. Yes. And if you have more than one of these things, all four of them, on a consistent basis, these are characteristics of failed relationships. You said, look, look at failed relationships what are the uh, ongoing or continuous traits that a lot of failed relationships have? These are some of the key characteristics that failed relationships have in them. Great. And on the contrast, relationships that are successful, though they may have these four things, figure out a way to get around it. Absolutely. Figure out a way to do with it. So criticism. So th- this, is, this is a good one. I have couples that come to me where they name call 
and and they talk about the other person. And the Gottman, John and Julie Gottman, define criticism as attacking a partner's personality or character. So attacking a partner's personality or character. And normally, when you when a person is being critic critiquing someone else, they say the things like "you never" or "always." You never do this, or you always do that. So, there, what's a, what's an example of criticism? For me, you know, you get it on the head. One of those these generally sweeping generalities when you just no one always, how anybody always does something, or someone never does something, right? You may do it a majority of the time, most of the time, frequently, but you always do this, and you know, you those type of verbs just going to automatically turn somebody off. But specifically on criticism, when you focus on somebody's character, or you're saying that this is their personality of it, so you're not when you criticize someone. Like, for example, if a husband's coming late to pick up his wife, right? Okay, he was late to pick her up. And the wife comes back and says, you know what? You don't care what happens to me. Um, that's why you're late. Well, that's not, you know, that's a, now you're attacking the character of the person versus just saying that you're late. So you're focusing on attacking character or integrity of a person versus just focusing on the simple act that the person was late. You're late. So let, let me use another example that people probably – Say a lot at home. Mm-hmm. Um, you never help me with the dishes. Mm-hmm. You never yep. clean up. You never help with the baby. You never say nice things to me. You are always late. You're never on time. These types of these types of things. And so when you find yourself, let me give you an example. Um, wife has been at home all day because this happens a lot. Wife has been at home all day. She's working with the kids. Maybe she's went to work and she came home, but she feels like her job never stops. The husband comes in, he cracks open a beer, he sits down and he watches the TV. And wife turns around and says, you never help me with the kids. And he's like, what are you talking about? Right. I just got home. Right. I helped the kids last week. Well, I helped the kids over the weekend we were doing this. So that always, all, all of a sudden, guess what? His defense is going to go up automatically because that's not true. I don't always, you know. At least in his opinion. In his opinion. opinion. I was saying this is what he's thinking in his right. mind. His defense is going to I don't always not out with the kids. Not true. Correct. Versus focusing on, I need your help right now. Correct. And so one of one of the important things to do when, when you're upset with your partner is try very hard to not criticize. Yes. Like if you're in an argument to say, you never listen to what I have to say. So like a lot of times I have a couple where somebody is playing the victim and they'll say, she never listens to me. No matter what I do, she never hears what I have to say. So a better way to do that, instead of saying what you never, ever do or, or telling the other partner, hey, you never listen to me, may be that, like, as the situation calms itself down. I mean, I think one important point is when you're in the middle of an argument, sometimes you can get very critical or critiquey, and you might want to criticize. But instead of saying never or or yelling at the person about how, how you make me feel so angry because you never care about me, you may want to say, hey, you know, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. I need a little help. I see that you're tired. I'm trying to find out how we can work together. I like that better. Absolutely. Trying to do, you know, what the Gottmans call a soft start, like having a conversation instead of the rage and the you never and the speaking in generalities, do specific, talk in specific. Another one you could say is like examples of like make comments of you're lazy or you're selfish, you know, versus that's a selfish act that you just did. Mm-hmm. I'm also not one act. I'm not saying your whole character is selfish, that's a selfish act. And when you say 
when you said you're selfish, I was like, you're always selfish. Like, me when I'm saying you're selfish is contempt. Now we're, we're switching. We're switching from criticism to contempt right now. Yes. So what I'm talking about in criticism are what so, – so don't go after the person's character. Do not say what they never do or what they always do. Try to stick to how you feel about the specific thing that's happened. Okay. So the next thing is contempt. Contempt is putting your partner down, um, name-calling. This is this is really this is another thing that adds asset to a to an otherwise good relationship is when you name call. Like for example, if somebody misses paying a bill and you say, you know what, you're stupid. That's a that's a very contemptuous thing to say, and it immediately hurts the other person. It, it only takes a second for words to hurt. You're stupid. You're dumb. Just like my mom said, you've never amount to anything. Ooh, all of these, yeah, all of these are things that add contempt. It's almost like you're, you're purposely trying to jab or hurt the other person. And it's hard to take that back, right? If that's something that's ongoing in your relationship, think about that. If you're constantly getting these uh, these uh, feedback from your partner, these contemptuous feelings with your partner, that's going to hurt your self-image. Not going to help you. Not want you to be around that person, right? But well, every time I'm around this person. They're making me feel bad about myself. That's not going to help bridge a gap, or bridge a gap between a relationship, but bringing one that's closer. It's going to start separating that couple apart from one another. Absolutely. And I think what happens, what happens a lot of times is people say, "Dr. Noel, I was angry. You can understand, I was angry, so I called her stupid." But I don't really mean she's stupid. But you said it, not you, but that person said that, mm-hmm. right? And it's, it's out there. You can't take it back. We can try and take it back, but it's still out there. Okay, and you've got to, right at that point in time, it's going to take a while to bridge that, that comment back and uh, help to overcome that comment that you made, that negative comment. Because at, at that point, that person's self-image took a little hit. Right? When my partner says this, I feel offended by that, I feel hurt by that. It's going to, how are you going to build that back up? It's going to take a while to build that up. It doesn't automatically happen instantaneously. Correct. And we never know when a person reaches their maximum amount of, of things that they can take. Mm. And sometimes a person doesn't know until the day it happens. People come into me sometimes and say, Dr. Noel, she called me stupid, and that was like the last time I could take it, and, and it's over. Like I, I can't take the contempt anymore. I can't take being called stupid anymore. So, so one thing to be mindful of is you never know when someone's had enough. And so you want to be careful of that. So sometimes, so here's how some arguments go. Husband comes home cracks open a beer, sits on the, the couch, and wife says, you never help me, right? That's criticism. Husband says, you're stupid for believing that. Now we've got contempt. And now we begin the back and forth of a negative argument. And so one of the things that, again, like you, couples may may have some arguments where these things happen, right. but you don't want this to always happen because the repair from these things is really hard to get past. So once you criticize the person, a lot of times they don't forget it. Right. Another good point is that sometimes a person doesn't know when they're getting to the limit, mm-hmm. right, until, until it happens. So they sometimes, sometimes they may be able to say, you know what, we're getting, we're getting, you're pushing me to my limit, but sometimes they may not even know it. Mm-hmm. And until that one last straw comes out, and then you know what, there's no recovery. Correct. And you don't want to go to that point. Correct. But let me ask you a question, Darren, and I just want your opinion, because some people ask me this. What's the difference between criticism and really telling somebody how you feel about something that they're doing to you? I think, again, to me it's focusing on the character, using the generalities, assassinating somebody's character or personality. So when you're when you're making a general statement that like they always or uh, judge a call on their 
what their intent of what they did. Don't make a judgment call, call on the um, intent of what the person did or what the impact was. Again, it may be simple of um, you forgot you forgot a birthday, you forgot an anniversary. Versus, you know, you don't care anything about a relationship because you forgot this gift. Now, now to me, that happens a lot. That happens a lot more than what people think. That somebody forgets the anniversary or doesn't get a big gift for their Absolutely. spouse, and then that partner feels like you've never cared about me because you forgot to get me something for this. For this. Right. So one of the things that we have to learn how to do in a couple is recover from that. Yes. So instead of saying, um, "Do you never, you never did care about me because you didn't get me something," I might say, "Hey, my feelings are a little hurt, babe. Did you forget that this was like the most important day of your life?" The, the day you met me? Right. You know? <laughs> so, like, figuring out a way maybe sometimes to use humor instead of using some of the contempt. But also when you make it specific, it the, the guards or the defensiveness doesn't come up so strongly, right? Because mm-hmm. you're not assassinating my character. You're just uh, criticizing a particular action or lack thereof that uh, that happens. Mm-hmm. It helps the person to focus. Absolutely. I think another thing when we're talking about criticism and contempt, and we're going to move forward to defensiveness and stonewalling, but I think a lot of times our spouses, our partners get home from from work or from whatever they've been doing for the day, and instead of saying something positive when we see them, a lot of times our first comment is something negative. And people feel critiqued, especially when you don't. Instead of saying, hello, hey, how you doing? I noticed your late traffic was really really tough, right? You say, you're always late. You're never on time. So it's that immediate feeling of that spouse or that partner feels like, gosh, we're in a battle already. That's a good one. I think the first interaction after you haven't been with each other for a long time is very important. It it really is. It sets the tone for the rest of the evening, the rest of the day, whatever the case may be, and it puts that person in in a mindset of, oh, boy, we're going to have an issue here, versus, like I said, it's great to see you. How was your day? Uh, Was everything okay on the way home? Versus why are you late? You know, was everything okay? No, it could have been an accident that that happened uh, on the way home or something. That's why the person late. But are you okay? Mm-hmm. Um, glad to see you. Versus like like you mentioned, you know, you're always late again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think the other thing is expectations. I know for a while um, I wanted you to be home, let's say five or five thirty. Right. And you did it a couple times, but you really can't be home until six o'clock. So my expectation is 5 to 5.30. So when you come at 6, for a while I was feeling like you were always late until we had a, co- a communication about the fact that, no, 5, 5.30 is early. Yeah, I think, that's, that's, I think setting clear expectations is key. It is key on that. I agree with that 100%. So people aren't constantly getting let down. Like, listen, the reality of it, this is what's going to happen. You know, I, I had hopes we we're going to take this vacation. Or we're going to have this particular gift. And, you know, the reality of it. This should be the realistic expectation, not you know, you know, Cadillacs all the time, whatever the case may be. Maybe you have to settle for a Hyundai or something. Well, I, I don't want to say settle, but I just think expectations are important. That you discuss what your expectations are, and 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 we're not, and people are not always being combative with each other. Um, the other horseman is defensiveness. That's rebuffing your partner's complaints with a complaint of your own. Yes, I call that the, the ping pong effect. Somebody uh, puts something in your corner, uh, you know, hits something to you, you're going to hit it right back to them. So if some, like say, uh, one of the partners says, you know what, you don't help with the kids, you know, the, well, you, they hit it right back. Well, you don't help with the trash. Oh, wait a minute. You're not acknowledging your partner's uh, realistic and uh, concern or, you know, heartfelt concern or, or 
um, issues that they're bringing up, you just automatically knock it back to them. Well, it's really your fault. You know, you're playing ping pong effect. Sometimes when persons bring something to your attention, a concern or a question that they have, you need to take it and, and address it before you just knock it back into their court and say, it's really your fault. So stop the ping ponging. Absolutely. And, and again, that's how a lot of arguments go. Okay, let's, let's go back to Bob and Susie Snowflake. Bob comes home, cracks open a beer, sits down on the sofa. Susie Snowflake says, Bob, you never, ever help me with the kids. Right. Well, you don't work. You don't have a job. Right. And so then you, you say, well, Bob, you know, I, would, I wouldn't have to work if you would make more money. Whoop, I make enough. Right. You just went shopping last week. Right. 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 So so it's that constant back and forth that people can do that can end up destroying a relationship and causing people to, to get really angry with one another. And so one of the things that couples have to learn how to do is somebody in an argument has to actually hear the other person and calm down. Yes. And and make a decision about kind of, you know what, maybe she's just angry or maybe she's having a bad day. But but she's not attacking me. Right. I mean, you put something in my court, I'm going to hold the ball, acknowledge that I may have issues, I may have uh, faults that I need to address, I may be slacking in a particular area that I need to step up on, I maybe we had a miscommunication, I need to communicate something more, or maybe I just didn't understand what you were saying, maybe I need to take a little more time to listen to what you're saying, and that's something that needs to happen versus just automatically saying, you know, I have no problems, I, I'm, I'm doing good, the problem is really on you, I'm going to push it back in your court. So you got to slow down that defense. And, you know, it's natural sometimes to be defensive, right? Especially you come home, you, maybe you've had a hard day, you want to have that defensiveness automatically comes up, but that's not something that you want to have a continuous basis in a relationship. If you're constantly never being uh, able to address your partner's concerns, that's going to be a problem over time. Right, because well, because what happens is the, the partner feels like they're not being heard, they're not being respected, they can't handle the defensiveness, they can't handle the criticism, and it can become overwhelming, and eventually a relationship can shut down from those types of things. Absolutely. Everybody needs to get heard, have their voice heard, and say, you know what, I have a concern, I need you to listen to me. You're my partner, you know, you're my spouse, uh, fiancé, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever the case may be. We need to deal with the, those relationships deal with each other's concerns, and I want to be heard. So many times we're not heard outside of our homes, at work, or extended family, you may not have that voice heard, but at minimum you want to be heard with your significant partner. Right. You you want to get that positive regard from that partner too. Right. I mean, and I think your your intimate partner, the person that, you know, you've partnered with for life is a person that you're expecting to um, to have your back. Right, that's really when you come in, you know, when you come home, that's where you want to get your positive reinforcement built back up. You know, honey, it's me and you against the world. We got our home. We're reinforcing each other's uh, self-esteem, self-image, uh, supporting each other, addressing each other's concerns, have, being able to talk one another, support one another, support one another's other's ideas, your positive feedback. That's what you want to do in the home. When you don't have that, people can tend to start, well, you know what, I need to get it from somewhere, and if I can't get it from my significant partner, I'm going to need to look for it from somewhere else. And that may be something that's conscious or even unconscious. You know, a lot of times that can happen unconsciously. Someone is uh, reassuring you or being positive to you, and when you bring a concern, they're addressing it. You know, those emotions can start being uh, increased with somebody else, whether, again, it's consciously or unconsciously. 
Absolutely. So something we have to be careful of. Absolutely. And I think when you use contempt, when you use criticism, when you're having defensiveness, then it, it puts it opens your spouse up to again looking for it makes them vulnerable. And then somebody at work or somebody, you know, in the carpool line can be being just, you know, moderately friendly and it can move to a different direction. Yep. And I think what's interesting about the research that the Gottmans have done is they're not telling you that affairs in marriages they're not telling you that money issues in marriages. They're talking about these four horsemen, um, these four things that are found in, in relationships that don't work that cause a couple to have a divide and push them apart. Good point. And I think a lot of people think, well, my my uh, you know my deal breaker would be an affair. My deal breaker would be you know X Y Z. But a lot of times it's these things that eat away at the character that in relationships. Absolutely. Another thing that I want to take a little bit of time to talk about stonewalling because I think it's a technique that some people use to shut down an argument, but it actually ends up shutting down a relationship. So it's called stonewalling, and, and it's, it, the definition is clamming up and refusing to hash things out. So basically you, you don't want to have a conversation. You refuse to have a conversation. It's the, you know, whatever. Oh, wait a minute. We're trying to have a conversation here, trying to work out. So, they, oh, you know, whatever, walking away. Just walking away, and not, and, and not just walking away, saying, "Hey, you know what, babe? Can I have five minutes to calm down?" Or this is a bad time. But I mean, walking into the other room, shutting the door, looking at the newspaper, just flat, flat refusing to have. Right. The I'm just not going to have the conversation. Somebody could say something like that. That's that stonewalling. Or you know, right? Or you, you could be right in the person's face. You know, go right. I'm going. Right, you're talking, bringing up concerns. The person go right to their cell phone. Let me look at my message. Wait a minute, we're trying to have a conversation. Well, I'm checking my voice. You know, whatever. Let me check my voicemails, check my, my text messages, my, my uh, emails. Oh, wait a minute, we're trying to have a conversation. You know, that's going to upset somebody. You know, wait a minute, we're trying to have a conversation, and you're just not willing to engage in this relationship. It's, that's what it's going to feel like or can feel like to somebody. And that's a, uh, one of these four horsemen of the apocalypse. That's a big deal if that's an ongoing situation in the relationship. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so one of I think a lot of times, not not in every case, but I've seen a lot of men use stonewalling um, because women love to to go on and on about an issue, and a lot of times men will just be silent. And in fact, I mean, not all the time, but I have encouraged people sometimes if everything you're saying is going to be critiqued, say nothing. Good point. Yes, but, point. But in some instances, again, when you've got this along with criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and then you get to stonewalling. So, so let's go back over it. Bob and Susie Snowflake. So Bob comes home from a long day of work, cracks open a beer, sits down on the sofa. Susie Snowflake says, Bob, you never, ever help me with the kids. He says, you know what, you're stupid for thinking that. She says, well, I wouldn't have to be so stupid if you'd tell me what's going on. And then Bob stops talking. Whatever. Right. Back to the game. <laughs> right. He he goes for the Bob. Right. Right. Throw his pants to the wall. Right. And and Bob's just like turning up TV because he's thinking, I don't want to hear. I don't right. want to be. Turn the volume up, kids. Hey, daddy. Yeah, yeah. Volume up. Right. Watch the game. And he he can tune out and shut out everything. That's stonewalling. And so many couples say every time we try to resolve an issue, it never gets resolved because. Person X never wants to talk. Mm. Then Person X says, I would talk if I wasn't being name-called every conversation we have. Right. Mm -hmm. And then Person Y says, I wouldn't have to name-call if I could get your attention any other way. But all I ha all I can do is name-call, and that's when you respond to what I have to say. It sounds like a volcano. Every bubble keeps bubbling up, bubbling up, bubbling up. 
issue after issue because nothing's getting resolved on top of each other, on top of each other, it's headed for an explosion. If you have those things ongoing in a relationship. Absolutely. So one of the things that you want to get good at is if if you notice these things in your relationship, in a calm moment, not in the heat of an argument, I want you to be able to say to your partner, you know what, Susie Snowflake? I, I felt a little bit of contempt when we were having our conversation, and maybe that's why I shut down. Not, you know what, you stupid jerk, I shut down because I was feeling contempt because you were calling me a name, and you know what, you're just like your mom, and that's why your dad ran off. So instead of having that conversation, you might want to say, hey, babe, we're feeling calm now. Is it okay that we have a conversation? Like finding out, listen, is this a good time to talk because, you know, we can get together, we can get pretty volatile and get kind of ugly, and I just want to make sure I'm catching you at a good time. Right. And maybe, you know what, let's set some time to have a conversation. Let's go, you know, away from the house or we have some privacy and we have enough time to have the conversation based on what the, how deep the conversation can possibly be. Hey, let's go grab a cup of coffee and have a conversation in a, in a, in a quiet place where we're away from each other. We have dedicated time. Hey, I'd like to have a conversation with you on a relationship tomorrow evening at 8 o'clock, and you make sure that your calendar is clear. Make sure you can turn, let's turn our phones off and have a conversation so we can dedicate our full attention to one another. Absolutely. The other thing that may be helpful, and I know Darren and I talk about this a lot, but I think it's a thing that has worked for so many relationships, is setting a date night, having a, a night where you guys actually have some fun together. I mean, I think a lot of couples get into such a routine that they don't do any new things together. And one of the things that sparks most healthy relationships is when you're dating, you're having so much fun together. You're going to picnics. You're going out to dinner. You're going to plays. You're walking downtown. You're, you know, you're talking about what's happening in your life. And after you've been together for a while, Lots of times life circumstances make it difficult to have some of the fun that you used to have. And so one of the, the interesting things that the, the Gottmans discovered and, and other theorists and researchers have discovered as well is doing new things releases dopamine in your body. And dopamine is the same thing that you're releasing in your body when you're, when you're first dating and the relationship is feeling hot and fresh and sexy. And so if you can recreate some of those new refreshing moments, you can also increase longevity in your relationship. Absolutely. And you know what? It's so refreshing. You can just take simple twists on what you guys normally do. If you kind of go to the movie, that's kind of what your guys think. Is go to a different city that you've never been to. Drive to a different uh, uh, the next town over and go to the theater over there versus going to the one you always go to. Go to a different coffee house. You know what? We normally go out. Let's go out to uh, let's go out to the theater one particular time. Let's go take to the zoo. Let's go to um, the circus. Let's oh, there's a new show in town. Um, ice skating. Let's go ice skating, which we normally don't do. Something a little bit different and keeps things fresh. Let's say you like to go out to dinner. Maybe instead of going out to dinner, you go out to a cooking class and you take a class together. Absolutely. You know, and and just have some new experiences with one another because a lot of people, though routine is healthy in daily life, a lot of times can get monotonous and we, you know, everybody needs a little change of scenery occasionally. Absolutely. Go to a restaurant that has a different type of food that neither one of you have ever tasted before. Let's go try that new type of uh, food. We have Taiwanese food. We never tried that before. Let's talk about that experience. Talk about that food. Hey, we never tasted it. What do you think about it? Oh, I like this. I like that. Something new, something to talk about differently than going to the same restaurant that you guys always go to. Absolutely. Also, try try outdoing the negatives with the positive. If you're not on a date night and you're just at home, before you get to that negative thing that you want to say to yourself, talk in like 15 or 20 positive things first 
so that they can know that you you've got something positive to say instead of as soon as Bob walks through the door late again you never help with the kids you might want to say hey babe how's it going been thinking about you all day you look great in that jacket let me hang it up for you I mean not that I'm wanting the wife to be the servant or the husband to you know come home and and you, you might not be chipper every day but you want to always be trying to greet yourself with the positive it helps out right that's again we talk about that first interaction that first five minutes when you come home and you haven't seen each other in a while. It's so important. Let that be a positive, you know. Why? Because when you have that positive first thing, guess what? That gets into your psyche that when I come home, I'm going to have a positive. Guess what? I want to be home. I want to be with this person. Versus every time, you, you the first time you see one another, it's a negative or it's criticism or contempt in there. Who wants to be around that? You know what? Forget home. Let's stay out for a while longer. Why? Because I don't want to have that initial reaction uh, of what's just a walk out the door. I don't want to deal with it. You know what? Let me do something different. Absolutely. The other thing, I mean, and I tell this to people all the time, if you're if you're the primary caretaker of the kids and your your partner coming home, try to make sure that as soon as they're coming home, the kids aren't like yelling, screaming, and jumping from the roof. You know what I mean? Like try try to create you know a, a ritual around each partner coming home, whoever gets home first, and creating sort of a happy, peaceful environment when that person returns home. Yep. You know, so so the four things you do not want to have a preponderance of is criticism, which is attacking a partner's personality or character, contempt, which is putting your partner down, which a lot of people do by calling, defensiveness, which is rebuffing your partner's complaint with one of your own, they don't call that table tennis, and stonewalling, which is clamming up and refusing to hash things out. And let me just say this. If you're at a point in your relationship where you know that's like all four of these things plus 15 other things that we didn't mention, now's the time to make a call to the office Definitely. or to some office somewhere and, and have somebody help you hash out some of this stuff. So um, hopefully if you find these things in your relationship, you've got a way to start working on getting them out of your relationship. And um, we've got a caller on the air. Let me just take a second and ask the caller a question. So, um I'm gonna go by the last four digits of your It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.